Right, well as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we jumped a few chapters, this week I want to jump back uh, to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And again, the purpose in that is because we're looking as we go through the series to pick up particularly what God is emphasizing and saying to us. That's our basis, not interested in just getting information, but interested in hearing God and picking up directly what he's saying to us and living in the good of that. Now, um, one or two things this morning, again, just maybe a little bit different. Uh, if you have a question come to mind, then you could text it during the meeting to this number which is on the screen. Yes, that, that number, all right? Okay, it will appear in a moment. Now, I'm doing this, I'm putting you on trust, all right? Because I won't know if you're just texting your, your friend about, you know, what the weather's like today. But you are a trustworthy people, all right? So Jamie's going to click those and we're going we're gonna to have them at the end, all right? So, you know, if you want to be doing that, you can do it, all right? So that's one thing. Now, let's just come into the beginning of this story. I just need to um, take the, the verse or two um, from the previous chapter just to set the scene. David reigned, this is uh, eighth, chapter 8, verse 15. David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zariah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahu. Ahilud was recorder, Zadok, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abithar, were priests. Zariah was secretary. Benaniah, son of Jehida, was over the Karathites and Palathites. And David's sons were royal advisors. You got all that, didn't you? Clear? Yeah, if I ask you questions on that, you could answer. Yeah? Good. Don't worry too much about the detail. The summary is, it was looking good. I mean, things were under control. Uh, it was everything in order, he was doing well, and it was vastly different from the political or economic situation that we are familiar with, all right, even in our own nation. So remember, you know, chapter breaks are not, necessarily what God put there, what the publisher put there. So in the light of that, David, whole nation going well, everything's, you know, tickety-boo. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? Because it had been quite some time and uh, <coughs> there had been great, um, great, basically, destruction of the house of Saul. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Why does he want to do this? For Jonathan's sake. Because of the covenant with Jonathan. So there's a question. 
Now, it's quite a time since he'd become king. And, uh, you know, he could, have, he could have forgotten and he could have failed to fulfill uh, his responsibility or even his promise. But here is a time, I, I suppose better late than never, but here is a time when he's actually thinking. He's stopped. And the, the country is sort of, you know, going on all right. And he's kind of inquiring. Something stirring in him. Is there anything, is there anyone that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He's remembering the covenant. It's a very good question. It's the kind of question that we should be asking on a regular basis. Lord, is there someone that I can show your kindness? Is there someone that I can bless? That's a very good question. That's a much better question of trying to drum up how God could bless us. Is there something, some act of kindness? That's a great way to live. It's a better way to live, working on the basis of, Lord, what could I give rather than what could I get? So let's have a little look and see if we can uh, break this down and understand this a little bit. Okay. Kind of makes the point, doesn't it? Um, we see that it's possible to be uh, spiritual, but not practical, um, as indeed he was with, with Roger. He can be practical and not spiritual. I can simply be too busy. And of course, I think we'd readily see the, the fallacy of, of each of those things. Um, and uh, the sad thing is, in the, in the sketch, he's still looking for someone to love, someone to bless, and missing those opportunities uh, because of being wrongly positioned uh, in his outlook in that situation. So coming back to our story, um, because of this covenant to Jonathan, he wanted to show kindness. Interestingly, uh, he wanted to show kindness, uh, not justice. Uh, wasn't looking to the normal thing would be to completely wipe out the household of uh, of his enemy. But he wasn't doing that. He was looking instead not for justice not to wipe out uh, the house of Saul, but to, uh, to show kindness. And it just strikes me again that that's our remit. We have a remit to build up and not tear down. We have a remit to show what God is like. We have a covenant relationship that we need to work through. So David clearly had forgiven the house of Saul for all that had been done to him. And there was a heck of a lot of stuff that was done to him, which we've seen in previous uh, teachings and of course we remember uh, in Matthew 5 it talks about loving our enemies and praying for those that persecute and uh, it's, a, it's a very clear straightforward instruction it's not what we always feel like doing but it's what God tells us to do and therefore empowers us to be able to do that if we, try, if we choose to go his way <clears throat> So we want to be very mindful of this issue of covenant, something that we've, we've not talked on for a long time. 
And I want us to visit that in the light of what we're looking at here and the covenant between David and Jonathan. Last time when we, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at that vertical covenant, that covenant between God and man, the covenant that we benefit from, this, this, uh, this cup which is a New Testament in his blood, this, this um, price that is paid, the sacrifice that is made, this promise that is actually fulfilled by the death and resurrection of Jesus himself, basically is that covenant under which we live and exist. It's a covenant of victory over sin, which we've been talking about, singing about this morning, victory is on our lips, is basically uh, the demonstration and the effect that there is no sin, nothing that can stand against the power of that covenant. And we spent some time, we celebrated that covenant. We want to continue to celebrate that covenant. God has done something which is indisputable and um, undefeatable. He, when Jesus rose from the dead, we became participants as we submit to his rule, as we recognize that God has made him Lord, Lord over us, Lord over all. As we do that, we begin to gain the benefit of this new covenant. The new covenant which carries with it that victory over sin. And we talked about that at some length last time. But part of that new covenant is the fact that God brings us into a covenant relationship together. Now we, many of us here, are a people that have agreed together to be an outworking of that covenant relationship, an expression of that covenant relationship that we potentially have with any born-again believer. So there's a sense in which every born-again believer is part of the, the worldwide body of Christ. But in the plan of God, as instructed and, uh, and uh, exampled from the New Testament onwards, he calls a people to come together in that same covenant, in that covenant relationship, in the outworking of what he achieved, in what he did, he gives to us an ability. In fact, he actually spells it out. He said, in the same way as I have loved you, that's how you are to love one another. He calls together a people to show what he is like and to demonstrate his love and the outworking of it in this world. We have the honor and privilege of being such a people. There are many others, many other groups that would uh, express that. But we have agreed together. We come into the place of agreeing together that we will be an outworking of that special relationship that we could potentially have with anybody. But we're actually determining and choosing and deciding before God that we have it one with another. Now, the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship or the vertical covenant and the horizontal covenant are linked together in many ways. No way clearer than in 1 Corinthians 11 when God in his word instructs us in the 
recognition and the remembering of the covenant in the breaking of bread and goes on to speak about how important it is that we recognize the now body of Christ, that recognize the responsibility, the relationship, the covenant that we have with the now body of Christ into which he's placed us. In fact, he strengthens it in many ways. He says, all men will know that you're my disciples when you love one another. And that is about life, not just about uh, attending something. See, we decided a long time ago, but it's, it's good that we revisit this, that there's no way that we could be an expression of that covenant relationship by just simply attending meetings. So way back, many of us came out of a meeting-attending structure into something where we can actually share our lives where we can enter into a deeper relationship and that that relationship would be demonstrated in real and practical ways. You can't demonstrate, you can't live in the love of God without practical expression because the love of God is essentially practical. So you can't decide that you'll only take the theory of it when the reality of it is absolutely practical. And so we came out of that kind of meeting-attending kind of superficial connection, kind of, you know, an equivalent of joining the tennis club or the bowling club or something like that. It, that's all it is, really. To actually be a people who live in covenant relationship, kind of more like a family than like a, attending a club. And that carries a weight of responsibility as well as a lot of privileges. And it's good that from time to time we remind ourselves that, no, we've entered into something of some significance and some importance and some responsibility. When brethren dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. And the Bible, particularly when you get into something like uh, the Gospel of John uh, and uh, the letters of John, are littered with instruction. Now, about loving one another and how we are to be and how we're to work out this covenant, how it's to be something from the heart. It can't just be like we saw in the sketch, oh, I'll show my care by giving you a list of functions which you could perform. No, 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 no. It can't ever be like that. Well, I've come to serve you because in my community we believe in serving, so I've come to serve you. Yuck! I don't want someone doing something to outwork some, some doctrinal theory they have. I want to come to serve you or I want you to come to serve me because you love me. Because it's an outworking of that covenant relationship. Not because there's a series, well, I've committed to do this task, so I'm here to do it unto you. That's awful. That's death. We must never be in that. Well, I'm doing this ministry or this work because that's what I signed up to do. Dear Lord, that is stripping away the very heart of why we're doing it in the first place. It's about the outworking of covenant relationship. It's about my commitment to you, your commitment to me. It's a heart thing. You know what, guys? If it's not a heart thing, we're inventing a new form of legalism. 
we might as well get in step with the rest of the Pharisees and march off to that other place. True. It's got to be something that's from the heart. Now, look, God knows what we're like. And he knows that we have to, from time to time, come before him so that he can touch our hearts, refresh our hearts, soften our hearts. That's part of what he provides. That he can give us what is necessary to live in the way that we have chosen to live under him. When did you last do it? When did you last come before the Lord and say, Lord, just touch my heart. I've got to see Tim Asplin. Dear Lord, help me. I've got to spend the evening with him. Oh God. When did you last do that? <laughs> See, God doesn't want us to be, I've faithfully met with Tim Asplin for these last 20 years every Tuesday night. That isn't what God wants. God wants, I'm seeing Tim. I see in Tim the likeness of our God. I'm going to meet with him because he's my brother. Don't take advantage of it. <laughs> All right. You understand what I mean? What is covenant? God's chosen way to express what he's like. We've seen it. God's shown us in his word. We are a people privileged because we're living in a reality, not locked in some dead religion, not trapped in some legalistic form, but have been enlightened. We have a privilege to live in the fullness of that. It's about giving. It's about serving. It's not about what I get. It's not about how many people love me. It's not about how many people serve me. It's, it's the other way around. It can, it got to be the other way around. We're talking about an expression of a covenant relationship from God himself who gave his one and begotten son. It's got to be that way focused. How we give. How we serve. Job talks about, in Job chapter 6, about brothers born for adversity. How the... the the issue of that real relationship is there. And it's there through all adversity, in the good times and in the bad times. So he wants to show the kindness, show kindness for Jonathan's sake because of the covenant, the kindness of God. Basically to follow through this covenant relationship that they made, and you want to look at that, that's back in 1 Samuel 18 and 20. It's a covenant that they entered into. It showed forth. God uses these things to show us what he means. And it was witnessed by God himself. By the way, covenant's quite serious. It's, it tends to get witnessed by God. Uh, we, we see that in the marriage covenant, a higher form of covenant. need to understand what that means. But the kindness that he wanted to show was to honour God. It was to live out what God wants. To honour God and to show his favour. Now, let me just briefly, because you know, there's not really the time to go into a lot of detail, but 
briefly, just let's talk about covenant for a minute, because we haven't done this in a long time. Uh, and you're, I just want to trace back very briefly the root of it. It's a solemn mutual agreement. The word comes from, uh, the original word has a root meaning of binding. No? It's, it's, it's quite a, a sort of serious thing to bind. Um, it tracks back, and you'll love this, to two people drinking each other's blood. Now, I'm not suggesting we, we do that. Right? But it tracks back to that. Because when they did that, it meant that they were taken into that tribe or clan or family. Can you see the significance when you track back to what the true meaning is? That's what we're saying. You have become part of me. You're, you're, you're brother to brother. You're part of my family. This is not just, oh, you're a buddy. This is, this is something going beyond that. This is a, a, a commitment, a joining in, a responsibility. And of course, later on, there was, uh, and we see it in the scripture, uh, the sprinkling of blood. There was a, a covenant expressed in a sacrificial meal. Interestingly, often, um, the issue of blood came into it. And of course, uh, in the covenant that uh, God established through Jesus was the shedding of blood. No? Um, later on in uh, Genesis, uh, they were expressing it by slaying an animal and they both uh, and cut the animal in two and both parties would walk through the slain halves of the animal again in the blood. In a covenant, there has to be, a, if you like, a statement of terms. What is it that we are agreeing to? <coughs> How do we do that? Well, we do it in life. But when we come together initially, we try to, in our foundation course, talk through so there's an understanding of what the expectations may be both ways. You remember that? What, what, what was be expected of you? What could you expect? That's one of the ways in which we express this thing, uh, where we actually lay out uh, the possibilities or the uh, expectations in that time. Now, as in everything, it's been misused. We have lived and seen the misuse of it. Uh, people tried to use it for their own ends and I'm talking not, not in Bible days I'm talking about our days we have seen it become a place of, of kind of um, I don't know superiority you're either in or you're, not, you're no one uh, a place of um, exclusivity uh, a kind of almost a looking down uh, on others and that, of course, can never be consistent with God's heart and God's way. place where <clears throat> if you were deemed to be uh, in covenant um, and you either um, uh, God moved you on to somewhere, you became a covenant breaker. And uh, that, that caused some people some serious problems. Because it was basically 
taking the purity of God's word and using it to prop up something which had got corrupted, which was no longer expressing the purity of heart. And of course, the Bible is very strong about covenant breakers in the same way as it's strong about covenant. So to be accused of being a covenant breaker. Now look, what we have to do, because we're big boys and girls and we've lived through this, we see that just because, you know, what do we say? You know, you go to the butchers and you get a bit of meat and it's off, do you become a vegetarian? Not necessarily. You throw that away and start again. In other words, just because one thing is wrong, you don't dismiss the whole thing. And we have never done that. We do not dismiss because of the excesses that some of us were exposed to. We see the purity and righteousness and correctness of doing it as God intends. So we turn aside from that exclusivity. We turn aside of that, from that superiority. But we live in the accuracy and we seek to increasingly live in the accuracy of what God intended as a covenant people expressing his love one to another. We've got to be very careful that we don't swing the other way and lose the value of the closeness of committed relationship. We live in a world where things are much more kind of uh, fluid and superficial, uh, each to their own, no absolutes. Um, but what we're looking for is from heart to heart to connect. You've heard me even quite recently lay out, just because somebody is here and leaves, they don't become a covenant breaker. God may have moved them on. I think a little while we talked about Tim and Michelle moving to Gloucester. They're not covenant breakers, but they are no longer engaged in being an expression of that covenant relationship. Does that mean we don't like them, we're not friends? Of course not. Uh, does it mean we're not pleased to sing? No, of course not. But it does mean there's not that same level of committed care and support as being part of that. Because what we want is for them, and frankly, in the light of what we believe, for anybody who moves on to find the place where they accurately express how God wants his life expressed on the earth. How does God want his life expressed on the earth? Well, we just looked at it. By loving one another, by living in a community, in a love relationship. Not by attending something, not by being part of a club, but being part of the family of God and living in a meaningful expression of that. So if somebody goes, what we're looking is that they find where God is taking them. But equally, we're no longer, they have chosen no longer to express that issue of covenant relationship at this time here with us. Can you understand? Not an enemy, but it's not the same as being part of that expression of covenant relationship. Can you see the importance of that? Can you see the significance of that? Yes? Because it's very, very important that we grasp that. Not an enemy, but... Find where God would have you express that life and commitment. New covenant to show what God is like. We're the members, the members of his body. All right. 
right? We want to welcome some people into the church today. So uh, if I could have Tim, Emma, Daniel, Dawn and Jeremy. We've had a really great time on the foundation course with these guys. It's been really great getting to know them. Some fiery discussions at some points, but it's been great. So I just want to ask them really, what, what are they, what's the reason that they feel that they've been joined to us? What is the significance of that join and that, that expression of covenant? So Tim, what, why are you joining us? I like the work you do in the community. Okay, yes, that's great. Thank you, Tim. How about, da- how about Daniel? What, what is it for you? Well, I um, grew up in the church and it's where I've always been. Good, profound. Thank you. Great. And, and Emma, what, what, what's for you? What, why, why do you feel that God's joining you to us? Um, I really think you can meet my needs. Okay, great. Dawn, why, why, why do you feel that, that God's placed you here? My husband made me come. <laughs> okay. And, uh... Jeremy, how about for you? Uh, I, I just really like all the work you do in the community. Okay, great, good, excellent. Thank you very much. So we really hope they find their fit now. Thank you very much. Welcome to the church. Your deep powers of perception may have caused you to feel that there was a weakness in their reasons for joining. How about this? Brother, I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You'll never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll always, in every circumstance, seek to help you and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. Anything I have that you need, I'll share with you, and if need be, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you, and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And there's nothing that you can do about it. You don't have to respond. I love you. That's what it means. Talking about a heart joining. Talking about something serious, something solemn. Talking about a committed relationship. Oh, there may be other superficial or secondary reasons. We're being joined together to be an expression of Almighty God on the earth. We can't be casual about that. It has to be meaningful. There has to be a commitment in that. There has to be an outworking in that. Otherwise, it's dead. It's not a living thing. Not just practical, but it has to be spiritual. Both sides, both aspects. Referred just a little while ago to the covenant that's expressed in marriage. Now, I believe that that's a higher level of covenant than our expression. I think that my understanding of the scripture is that is a, a higher level. But we can learn some things from it. We can, we can relate to some things from it. 
a promise or commitment made between two parties where both parties are asking God to enable them to uphold the promise. That's what we do, isn't it? It's a decision to lay down your life for the other person or the other people as it would be. The decision to love when somebody's unlovable. Now we understand that in a family situation. You know, not always is every member of the family the most lovable that they could be. Now, I, I'm not talking about my family, I'm talking about your family. Yeah? <laughs> when Hetty was getting up night after night and the family was losing sleep, I'm not saying that they turned against the child, but I think there would have been a sense where, hey, this is, this is not the most lovable situation. Guys, it's through thick and thin. That's, that's commitment. That's what it's about. It's a relationship. Have you ever seen in a family how, uh, you know, like kids can sort of squabble and fight with one another until somebody starts on one of them and how they turn to be so supportive? Have you ever seen anything like that? You know? All right, there can be there can be disagreements. But you pick on my brother. You pick on me. You know that kind of that kind of attitude and mentality. I think that's how God would have us to feel. I think it's important that we feel. Let me come back to what I said earlier on. When you hear a testimony, how do you feel about it? I think there's situations I don't want to I don't want to kind of be able to cast it off. I feel and it troubles me. And there are other things which I join in and I rejoice and I'm thrilled that it's happening. That's how God wants us to be. That's how he wants us to live. And I'm calling that we come back to a real clear understanding and outworking of that. This is a time for us to recognize all over again that God has brought us into a, a covenant relationship with him, but a covenant relationship with one another. And that carries weights of responsibility as well as a lot of joy. Isn't it good that, that in an enlarged family, as it were, we can be rejoicing. Oh yeah, but it does mean you've got to take on the heavy stuff as well. It does mean that there's a practical cost in serving. But that also means that we're expressing what God wants on the earth. He's not particularly bothered about people meeting in buildings. He's interested about brother, loving brother and showing what he's like on the earth. That's what he wants. Now, of course, in the same way as in a marriage, someone outside the marriage may be able to help and, and uh, come and do some practical things in a house or something like that. Um, or they might receive help to sort out finances or something like that. Um, but in a marriage, there's a special place between husband and wife. It's not that they, 
excluding from serving others or that others can't come in and help them. But there is a special place. I think that's what God calls us to express that special place. Special place of, of closeness. Conspiring to be together, to express something, to show uh, a long-term sharing and understanding and learning more about ourselves uh, as we interrelate, bearing weight one for another, bearing each other's burden, taking ownership of issues, advancing together. You've seen some of you an email that Tim sent out uh, asking for examples of that. And today, um, Teresa's just going to come and give us just some of the examples that she has. And then in coming days, I'm urging you to respond to what Tim has sent out so that we can, we can feature that, so that we can be demonstrating um, what we're really talking about in real life. Because... We're interested in understanding the heart and the reasons behind, but then applying it to what we actually do. Otherwise, we're hearers and not doers of the word. And that's not what God called us to be. Thanks, Teresa. Um, Gary and I's first flat didn't have any heating, so Richard and Lu Lucy bought us a gas fire and paid for the installation. Um, when I miscarried my second child, I had a whole team of people helping me look after Emma, um, washing and cleaning and cooking. When Sam was very sick at birth, um, several families and their children prayed throughout the night uh, for his safety. Um, he really could have died that night. Uh, when Sam was nine months, he needed another life-saving operation and he was in hospital for many weeks. We received a check from friends for 900 pounds to help with the costs. We also had many, many visitors to Great Ormond Street, which was in itself a massive blessing. Each of the six times we've moved house, there's been a team of people helping us pack and clean and move. All right, thank you, Teresa. All right, yeah. Um, just some practical things. Mostly expressed in practical ways, but not only. Sometimes that word, that prayer, that intervention is life-changing. God would use you, use one another to be a source of his supply, one to another. All right, before we do anything else, let's see if we've got any questions. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by heart joining? Yes. What I'm talking about heart joining is basically not something which is just on the outside or something which is achieved because we have the same interests. It's basically God does something that causes me to love a brother or a sister with the love of God. And I'm joined to them. See, the Bible says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. It's basically something that God does. 
It's the basis for being together. We ask when you come, do you believe God is joining you to this company of people? That's our basis, that, that there's something that God's doing. Does that mean you have a deep, committed heart relationship with everybody there? No, you are looking to see that worked out in coming days. That's why sometimes it helps more in small groups because you get beyond a certain number. Difficult to actually uh, express that in the same way. There's a general expression, but there's a more specific expression in those closer relationships, whether it be in small groups or just in relationship groupings. So it's, a, it's something that, that comes from the inside. Now, does that mean that I have to have kind of warm, fuzzy feelings for Tim Asplin? Well, okay. since you've had your hair cut, yeah, yeah. I think that there are feelings, the feelings which are about uh, concern and joy. I know about warm, fuzzy, but there's something that if God has joined us, there's a, there's a sense of, of brotherhood in it. That if he's got something, if he's got something to say, then I want to hear it. If he has a need, I want to see it met. It's, it's something that, that matters. I can't just walk away from it. Would that be a good way to say it? I can't just walk away from it. Try and keep these answers shortish <laughs> if I can. What's the difference between leaving a covenant relationship and breaking a covenant relationship? Okay. Leaving a covenant relationship is like I described earlier on. Somebody moves away and they've, they've withdrawn from it because God has moved them somewhere else. And we want them to work out that relationship. Breaking a covenant relationship is basically um, falling out and refusing to be reconciled. And maybe going off in a huff or something like that is basically the refusal to do what God wants. See, God has put an equipment there for us that it never needs to be broken. Just never needs to happen. It can be challenged, but in the same way as he's instructed us what to do, there is always a place to resolve. If we want to do the will of God, and we want to walk together in the will of God, uh, then there's always a way to resolve that in the power of God. So, difference between moving on and, uh, and, and the covenant relationship is no longer um, active, no longer being worked out, and actually breaking it by falling out or removing yourself in that way. David and Jonathan consciously agreed to a covenant. Are you saying that when we commit ourselves to this community, then we are making that kind of covenant? Yes. Yes, we are actually saying, I want to come. I have chosen to come to be an expression with you of that covenant relationship. It's not some new covenant. This is part of the outworking of that covenant which we potentially have with any born-again believer. But because you're being drawn to this and I'm being drawn, then I'm expressing that and we are choosing and agreeing and conspiring together to work out that covenant relationship. It's a long time since we talked about these things. Yeah? It is, isn't it? And the problem is, 
we tend to then just assume. But some of you guys probably not heard some of this stuff before. Huh? So it's really important that you understand what we're really about. Is it possible to break covenant without physically leaving? Yes, because it's a heart thing. You know, if I'm not right in my heart uh, with Tim, I'm, I'm basically breaking covenant. I am refusing to resolve or to live in what God requires in terms of the outworking of that. Yeah. I might still smile sweetly at him, but basically, if I'm not right in my heart, if I have unresolved issues, that's what the Bible... If we come back to what I mentioned earlier on in 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible warns pretty serious stuff about that. So, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's possible. It's got to be real. We can't do the, you know, plastic smiles. Uh, that don't work. God looks on the inside. Is it possible to have never really made a covenant in the first place, even if you've gone through foundation course yes. or grown up? The foundation course itself does not produce covenant. Covenant is about us. The foundation course is simply to lay out expectations and to give us all a basis of understanding how we're proceeding together. It in itself doesn't produce covenant. Which that's something which we do before God and um, express in our own heart. So... Yeah, it's, it's not the same. That's just an aid. Do family members who aren't actually in the body still get priority? Family members who are not in the body get priority. Hmm. Well, let's understand it. This is an interesting question because the Bible says... Um, if you care to men, if you don't care for your own, you're worse than an infidel. So the importance of caring, uh, it talks about um, honouring your parents, uh, that your life may be lengthened. Yeah, I mean, it's some pretty, pretty serious stuff. But then, if we swing it the other way, where traditional requirements, and I've talked somewhat about this from our, with our brothers and sisters from different uh, ethnic backgrounds, where tradition cuts across, the tradition where it cuts across what God wants and the priorities God sets, and this applies to where, whatever the tradition is, whether it's tradition of this culture or any other ethnic culture, then we have to make a stand for what is God's will and what God wants. So if looking after distant relatives means that I'm failing to look after my own family, but I'm doing that because it's required by my culture, then I'm cutting across what God requires in his word. And you know, every time we have to submit to what God wants. Is there a difference to how we should relate to someone that's on their way into joining as opposed to someone that's on their way out from joining? Hmm. <clears throat> Somebody that's, that's on their way towards is needing uh, information, help, demonstration of love, showing what it's about. Somebody who already knows that is needing to work through whatever issues 
they're coming up with. So I think there would be a different way, but it would still be motivated by love. Is it important to know who I've made this covenant with? That way I can prioritize my commitments. Yes. Yes. Um, that's why one of the reasons why we, we actually, when people come and they, they're joining with us, we actually introduce them. Uh, are you going to have the same opportunity with everybody to work out that covenant? No, but we are saying that there's the potential there and the availability there, and we're looking that everybody be formed into units, whatever is appropriate, so there can be that actual outworking and expression in greater level and degree. Can you ever stop being part of a body? Can you stop being part of a body? Yeah, I suppose you can die. Um, yeah. uh, of course, you can remove yourself. Pretty dumb, stupid thing to do because God requires us to be part of a body. But you can do that. And, uh, yeah, it's possible, but why would you want to? I wouldn't want to kind of be getting into, into that rather than the uh, theoretical. Is it impossible to show what God is like if I'm not part of a body? Yes. Yeah, God is, God is essentially corporate. You can't show what God is like because you and God have a nice relationship. You know, as much as you love, your, love the brethren, you love God. It is not possible to truly show what God is like without being part of a body. That is what we absolutely believe. That's our understanding of the word of God. That's what we've lived out these years. God is corporate. You can't express a corporate God in singularity. If all men will know... You've done all this while you've been listening to me. <laughs> all men will know you are my disciples if you have loved one another. This only works if it is real love. How can we check this is so? What do we do to keep covenant, not contract? Hmm. Okay, well, we've already said real love um, must flow from the heart. Um, and... You know, the outworking is, truth of the matter, we're, we're empowered by God to, to forgive when things go wrong, when somebody may even wrong us. We're empowered by God to forgive. Um, we're empowered by God to choose to serve, whether we're tired or whether it conflicts with my own needs. We're empowered by God to, to see his compassion, to experience his compassion. Uh, we're empowered to actually look um, and, and understand from your perspective what you're actually saying, uh, even if I think you're wrong. So if Tim comes again, you're doing featuring a lot today, Tim. Tim comes again and says, blah, 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 you're wrong. I can say, no, I'm not. Or I can hear what he's saying because there may be a perspective that I need to grasp and understand. Yeah? Don't try it. Um, I think we can make sure we're willing to be vulnerable and ask for help when we need it. That's the other way around. Not majored on that. Yes. Did you text it? You're going to say it. 
Um, to me, the difference between contract and covenant, ah, you know, is yes. because contract is a thing of the mind. Covenant is a thing of the heart. It's yeah. where your motivation comes from. And if your heart is moved to co have covenant with somebody, then that's go God's way. If it's just up here, if it's just what's written on a piece of paper, then that's the world's way. Yeah, but that's the answer I meant to give. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. As a two-way agreement, if one party breaks covenant, does it release the other from commitment? No. You see, as a two-party agreement, if it's really going to work out, both, both parties have to be involved. From a heart issue. So, it, again, if I'm committed to Tim and we're expressing that in serving, but he won't serve me, I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to serve him then. It, in, the, in the, I mean, I'm going to, obviously, because I love him, I'm going to say, I'm going to confront that and say, Tim, what, what, what's happened here? What's going on? But I'm not going to stop doing what is right but I can't be working out in the same way as God intends if there's not something which is, which is flowing both ways in it. It does interfere with it, but it doesn't change the heart attitude. Yeah? When do I know when to stop serving someone even though it appears they still have a need? Okay, because we don't serve on the basis of need. We serve on the basis of what God is saying. Uh, and it's important that we recognize needs and we're sensitive to needs, but we're more than that sensitive to what God is saying and we do what God gives us to do. And that is part, again, of the outworking of the covenant because we're submitted to him, not to what my, my sort of soulish feelings make me want to do because that's about me being made uh, comfortable in my feelings, and that's not what this is about. This is about what does God want. Um, when... No, I just read that one. Good. Where's Mark? I hope he's going to come to my rescue in a minute. Oh, he's there. Here we go. La la last one I got here. Um, so, if we're in covenant together, does that mean that we have to come together to make all kinds of decisions or make similar decisions in regard to things like careers, schools, for our kids, where to live, things like that? No, I, I think it means that if we're in covenant together, in relationship together, we are open to receive input. But we're not, we're not kind of trying to develop uh, a, every, every, every person as a, what's it, everyone with a right to vote or a democracy or something like that. Of course, that's not biblical either. We want to hear God together. The Bible says that um, in the wisdom of a multitude, in, the, in multitude of counselors, there's much wisdom. The Bible talks about we have the mind of God in the plural. But it's not the same as saying we all have to be part. We recognize that um, there are different... I don't want everybody um, doing what Christina does in managing the money. She manages the money. God has raised her up to do that. She does a brilliant job. And I... I, I think, do you, do you want to do that? Yeah? Huh. So we, we recognize those different things. Here's the, here's the thing then, as we completed the questions uh, there. Is there anyone I can bless in this community where God has joined me in covenant relationship?
Is there anyone I can show love to? And it means, and you'd have seen this from what we've said before, you've got to be close enough to know, never to just assume. You've got to love enough to care so that it really matters. You've got to be willing to depart from plans and pay the price in order to see that happen. Not time now, but there is one other question. How would I know, or how would you know, that it's happening? I'll leave that for another time. Thank you, Mark. Let's just join together and worship him.